people, it's Matt here. Unfortunately, we really messed up the recording for the first episode at the UK Games Expo podcast thing. It was recorded on a tiny microphone on my laptop, actually physically behind us, which is why it sounds this bad. But honestly, it could have sounded much, much worse. Don't panic, though. If it is too bad for you to listen to, we have put the second podcast up at the same time, so you can just skip ahead and listen to that. Thanks very much. Bye. Hey. Hello. I'm going to do something about this because this is really weird. <laughs> no, because then you pull the table in front of the projector. You have to stay over there. <laughs> and sit down. Uh, I'm very happy that um, the UK Games Expo gave us our request of the warmest room at the con. Uh, we are funnier the hotter we are. <laughs> Hot takes. Very hot takes. We've misunderstood what that term means. Very much. So. Uh, if you haven't met us before, uh, I'm Quentin Smith. <laughs> Not what I was fishing for. <laughs> you guys can introduce yourselves as well. I'm I'm really lonely. <laughs> for people listening to this podcast at home, Matt is on a table approximately 20 feet away from. Us. <laughs> I don't know why. I, it's, I mean, I suppose if Paul was here, I'd like have some uh, some kind of camaraderie. But as it is, Paul is not here, unfortunately. He couldn't leave the country because if he did, they wouldn't let him back. <laughs> which is, I think, a reasonable reason not to go anywhere. It wasn't not a joke. Um, no, it's not. And <laughs> um, who's this? Oh, it's Pip. Hello. Hey! <laughs> Our continuing companion at Expos to make sure we are professional and don't go mad. And to find out where things are and... And use maps and all the stuff that we can't do because we're not real adults. Let's start the podcast. Yeah, just just, just only for a minute. Ooh. (laughs) What are you doing, Matthew? He's going to make some great radio content. How much is this getting edited out? Hey, if this is being edited out of the digital version, we can say all the rude stuff. Which rude stuff do you want? The rudest words. Uh, shut up. Yes. Oh my god! Hi, <laughs> Quins. I'm here now. I've, I've become very close to you. This is better. I think we didn't do a podcast over there. I'm not that kind of people. Not a panel. The projector flipping around around us. Let's start because, my god, these people have been waiting for long enough and are really bored. So, so I'm going to. some board games! So, before we talk about board games, um, you'll all know that we are in the, the Birmingham. But more specifically, <laughs> we are in the NEC, and I kind of get really like, I find there's something weirdly evocative about being in conference centres. Maybe they stir up something strange in me, um, mainly because of their blandness. But, um, so I've, I've got a little intro for us, for us to do. I've got to just do a little thing over here. <laughs> for the people at home, Matt is leaning across the desk every single time he's going to move aside. Oh, Thank this you is very much. Thank you so much. This is the best. Right. Ah. Welcome to the NEC adventure. <laughs> NEC, look at this. We've got all sorts of wonderful things going on. And what we're going to do is we're going to level up the adventure. So, have you ever heard of a game called Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. <laughs> well, it's part of a wider thing called no. role-playing games. It's fascinating stuff. Um, I thought we could do a little role-playing game on, uh, where you're going on an adventure in the NEC. Um, look at all the locations. We've got Pendigo Lake, Pendigo Way, the Crown Plaza, the Genting area, where presumably there is jousting. So I've got some character sheets for you. Um, I actually have a character sheet of my own anyway. You can't use your own. Uh, use... Well, I'm going to. So it's a, it's a proprietary system. No, no, mine's better. Mine's better. What is that? I have a pony sheet for ponies. Cool ponies, like me. Uh, Tales of Equestria, it says in the corner. And I did a drawing of a space bat pony. <laughs> so this is the first game we're going to be talking about, maybe. Uh, there's, turns out you can do Dungeons and Dragons, but for Mindful Pony Friendship is Magic. Yes, but the uh, pony sheet is slightly confusing if you aren't paying attention. And, for example, write your name where the pony name should go. <laughs> so my pony is called Pip, and my player name is also Pip. Uh, and my pony type is space, and I don't know if that's an actual thing, and it might be a Pokemon type, but I don't know that either. Okay, you were just vibing it. You can be Pip the horse. And You're I'm kind of like derailing my made-up game with, a, with information about a real one. 
Which I don't think is in the spirit of this podcast. Yeah, but we did it as a collaboration while eating burritos. Okay. So. You can be a, a pony then. Alright, that means you can choose. Do you want to be Barry the Elf? Or do you want to be Pognor the Barbarian? <laughs> I haven't seen these. Um, oh, I made these on hotel stationery. It's got to be Barry the Elf because I'm the magic. Matt has written loads. <laughs> yeah, Barry's got loads of magic. So. Friendship and Quinn has written no. <laughs> Character sheets are kind of the ideal format for comedy. Matthew, let's roll. So, so, you stand on the cold beach of Wendigo Lake. There is no life here. You are thirsty from your travels, having walked many miles from the nearby village of Birmingham. <laughs> you reach your hands thirstily into the waters of Wendigo Lake, but then hesitate. You cannot drink this. It is any sea water. <laughs> It's been a long week. (laughs) Across the lake you see a shining citadel of opportunity, home to an ancient but powerful legend that prophets but only speak of, the Cheeky Nandos. Uh, I should say, just to set the scene, and this is is amazing, I had this idea and started writing this before I walked past this and took a photo of it, and it is like, this is one of these moments where you feel like you are actually living in a dream. This is a photo I took of Wendigo Lake today. It's not a joke. It's tents and people with swords and axes and fire. So, I mean, there's some kind of odd, like, uh, nerd crossover here when it's like the natural next step for a board game expo is to have an Iron Age society. (laughs) Yeah. So, what do you guys want to do? You can can explore. There's also a cinema and a casino, I think. Can I write? Sorry, that was good. Uh, I, I was just looking at your character sheet and I noticed that you are a horse and I am a human or an elf. So what I was going to ask, if I may be so bold, Pip, may Let I? Me. Let me counter what you're about to do with a different suggestion, which is. You have written one of my talents to be a getaway driver. Nice. So, we could find a car, and I could drive us to wherever we go. Sounds great, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, Way less awkward. But there is no time! Your destiny awaits inside the NEC Centre. So, you you can drive into the NEC Centre? Yes. Behold! (laughs) Games! Behold! Public restrooms! Behold! A different convention about dinosaurs? Oh, June. June 2nd. Oh, it's not for ages. It is none yet. Uh, but I like dinosaurs. I would have liked that. Behold, board games. Still good. Is the game's master having a stroke? Not, not dinosaurs. Still good. As you motion to enter the Great Hall, you are flanked by two guards. What will you do? Magic. Wait, check the track. Magic kissing. Kiss them! Yes. You're gonna kiss them? Yes. Wait, you're a horse. This gets uh, me. Right. <laughs> to beetles. Are they beetles? No. <laughs> okay, I cast a spell. Mm. Stumbling through the blood and viscera of your enemies, <laughs> you arrive at last at the UK Games Expo proper. A transcendent beam of light splays itself gently over one of the first things you saw today at the Expo. What was that? Was it this game? Everyone wants to thank Matthew for that intro. I didn't know it was quite too much. And nothing is not a waste of time. So, uh, thank you all very much for coming. Uh, we are going to talk about board games in this podcast. We're going to talk about all the best games we played today and not the bad ones. And then we're going to play the secret best game of Gen Con requiring. Oh, it's okay. Matt has uh, fumbled it under the table, but uh, that's going to require six volunteers from the audience who are very judgmental. Uh, but that's a tease for later. Uh, for now, let's talk about board games, which I always feel like is the meat and potatoes of the podcast, and that we're disappointed people when we do it. Yeah. But like, it's what the podcast is for. So hey, this is Catch the Moon. Behind us, uh, you can see a photo of a cloud with some tiny ladders stuck in it. And, uh, ooh, this is the best, okay, yeah, we'll get to the best thing about Catch the Moon, which is what the manual says. Can we have the next slide? Yeah. So here's the cool thing about ladders. This is a dexterity game like Go Cuckoo and, and Junk Art, um, but you're, you're pinning ladders to each other. 
But the way that you can insert ladder spokes into one another, there's all kinds of crazy shapes. Um, and the manual suggests, like, uh, starting points for your imagination. But the names of these? Yeah, so some of these names, they start off with obvious ones. The foot hook, the crazy diagonal. Everyone's worked with ladders before, as familiar with these things. Uh, the, um, the swing. Getting a little bit sexy there. The sin of pride. <laughs> and uh, I think Pip's favourite was the mischievous tightrope walker. No, my huh? favourite was the shameful support. The shameful support. There's a whole chapter in Fifty Shades of Grey. No, no, when I was a lot younger, we used to bring a copy of More magazine to school, and it had Position of the Fortnight, and it would have... Of the Fortnight? Of the fo- it was a Fortnight you've ever seen. Okay, it's not like how often the readers of More magazine... <laughs> it's been two weeks, I'm bored. It was like, I don't know, the program wheelbarrow. <laughs> And that's what these ladders are. Is it like constellations where you're like, I can't see the wheelbarrow? Well, it's more like, yeah, or like a magic eye picture. Yeah. You're just like, uh, where's the. Oh! <laughs> Look! Uh, so, do you want to talk about this game? A little bit, yeah. It was really, really good and really clever because usually, like with um, uh, a lot of dexterity games, even like, like Go Cookie and other games we do really like, um, it's often a case of like Jenga being the ultimate example of this. Can you do the thing? Like you, you put the thing on the mm. thing. Can you do it? Great, you did it. But this allows an amount of creativity where I would see you guys place ladders in ways and go, that is not even a, a and then you remove your hand and the ladder is just magically sticking out. We had some really unlikely balancing. Also, I like the fact that you you rolled the dice and it tells you what to do. It's not just to then like build it. It's like you have to reach for the moon. Yeah, the one of the side one of the sides is like put down a ladder so it's only touching one of the ladder. Put down a ladder so it's touching two ladders or Touch the moon, catch the moon, which is like, put the highest ladder on the thing, mm. which is what I always roll. And it's funny that if you mess it up, um, you have to take a tear token because it's like the moon is crying. <laughs> which does sound like something that like, it sounds like something that like deeply religious or spiritual parents might tell their children if they've done something bad, you've made the moon cry. <laughs> What were your parents like? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so, we wait, have a, wait, no, oh, we need oh. to ascertain who was the worst at the moon. Are we, not the best. We'll go really different downbeat. Well, well, I think we tried for being best at certain <laughs> other people, this for example. In, it's important to clarify, Quinn's is bad at that game. <laughs> I, just, I just really needed someone else to know that. <laughs> I'm the worst at the stupid moon game. Let's move on. <laughs> This, yeah, let's very quickly talk about this, because this exists. Uh, oh my god. Uh, who wants to pick? Do you want to go? Oh, uh, okay. This one is High Tide, and essentially it is a game about getting your beach recliner as close to the waves as possible without them being swept out to sea in some sort of disastrous holiday wet experience. The game, should we talk about when the game ends? Because it ends when someone is swept out to sea. Oh yeah. Like, so it's, you roll dice and it's a kind of dice drafting thing where everybody basically creeps their um, sunbed forward and say, oh, I'm going to put my sunbed really near the sea and then you see someone do that and go, no, I want to, I want to be further out and then someone dies. Or you get points for staying resolutely at the bar. Yeah. And just yeah. not engaging in these beach hygiene at all. This is this is basically like this this game. I don't know if it's even good or not. We had a look at it this morning. You guys looked at it more than I did. I just passed over and looked and thought awesome. But this is the sort of thing I really love about board games. That it's just like it's a board game about how close can you get to the very nice spot but not in the waves. Mind you, you played a very old game last night. Oh, we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's podcast. Okay. Well, it's going to be it's a real trip. We played basically this, but from the seventies, and it Which, was. Everything's worse. A lot of people were dismembered in that game. <laughs> uh, well, what a tease I am. So that's high tide if people want to Google that from Queen Games. And then, obviously, this is a Pitt's pony sheet in more detail, as you can see from afar here. That was before Quinn borrowed it. <laughs> and just wrote all kinds of hateful pony. Can you be hateful towards? I don't know. Although, you did make me a sous chef, so. There you go. Honestly, if you've ever read just. Character sheets are the best thing to scribble on. Because it's like prompts for jokes. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're just rattling through a bunch of things we had a quick look at. Oh, this is important. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, I don't know if you guys, any of you guys read the website that we do. No? (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. It's a lot of words. 
we did a, a big hundred thing. Last yeah, week. we took on the Board Game Geek's top 100, looking at every game, thinking about whether it should objectively be in the rank that it was given or not. Um, but a lot of people were upset that we hadn't played uh, a little games, board yeah. game, very seminal, like a Python game called Costa Rica. So we actually caught up with it. Costa Rica today. A lot of people said, you know, you guys ever play this game? So you know, we're on it. We we listen. Uh, we are experts. That's a joke about the fact that we haven't played Puerto Rico. I sort of expected us to laugh there. I but thought that was great! I thought that was great. Okay, let's move on. You guys play Costa Rica. We play Costa Rica. Alright, I'll talk about it. It's pretty good, right? It's not It's not Puerto Rico. It's not the sixth best game ever. It's not gonna, you know... Jesus, that fell. That's a crap. I know! That was my favourite thing today. I know! Similar. So what are you doing this game? Right, this game. I love this. It's my thing. It's like all yeah. of my things at once. It's I saw Pip light up when they started describing it. It's a game about going for a walk in forests and mountains and taking pictures of animals and insects. If anyone doesn't follow uh, Philippa War on Twitter, oh my god. That's pretty much, that's it. It's going for a walk and posting photos of, of animals and insects. And it's awesome. Um, there was a monkey. There was a toucan, there were ducks, there were iguanas. Okay, so you're walking through these hexagons in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a, a push-your-luck game, so it's a bit similar to like Diamante, in terms of it being like, you know, you're going on these different expeditions and you're trying to get the best stuff you can, and if you tap out, then you're like, I'm taking everything we've got so far. Mm-hmm. But rather than it being like... Everything this, being nice photos? Yeah, everything's nice photos, but also, as you can see, it's like a game with lots of little hexagons. Um, all the little maps. That means when you go on the expedition, you choose the direction you're going to go in next. And when you choose to tap out of that that little expedition, you take your mini back. So it's like I'm going home with this stuff. So it basically is a bit like a kind of push your luck game like Diamante, but in this you're physically moving around a map, so you can actually kind of ruin people by being like, actually I'm going to block off the jungle, so this whole expedition of people who I'm not in anymore because I tapped out early now can't really get anywhere. So it becomes a bit area control. And there's an interesting element of the fact that like the forests are the safest and then the, the water ponds, swamps are a bit less safe and the mountains are dangerous. Mm. But you're trying to set build little sets of different animals for points. But what was lovely, and this is the thing that you also something I love about board games increasingly, is when people just flippantly describe how the game works. It's like, oh yeah, so you're going and taking photographs of animals. Um, uh, but if you get bitten by a mosquito, then that's not good. But it's fine. If you get bitten by another mosquito, then you've got malaria and you have to go home. <laughs> it's like, that war escalated. <laughs> so, what's this? It's a game about taking nice photos and some life-threatening diseases. Yeah, it's like, like the, you know, it's got, look at the back of the box. It's got lovely photos, family-friendly. Malaria, let's get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You like this one? People should uh, maybe take a look. I, it looks kind of drab. I wouldn't necessarily want to play Costa Rica. It was actually, like, quite pretty, quite simple. Okay. Uh, really quick as well. Very quick. The sort of thing that I would happily sort of give to, I don't know, like a seven or eight year old, like, need to a nephew and, like, spend time with. There you go. That's yeah. Family game. That's your fun. <laughs> uh, but we played this because you two were waiting to play. One of our first bigger games. Battling Park. Which they chose not to translate from Bear Park, I guess, because the version they're selling now is Baron Park. Mm. This is a this is Paul couldn't be here today, and so we had to play the one game that he would have an aneurysm if he couldn't play. Because <laughs> Paul likes bears, and this is a game where you build a bear place where bears live. <laughs> I didn't know the term and panics. Beararian. <laughs> it actually it it's basically like a Really, what you're building here is a disappointing zoo because it's not actually—it's <laughs> not actually a beararium because you've got things that aren't bears. I know you know, you've got koala bears, but that's not—I mean, that's not a bear. Koala bears—they got the name, but they're not actually bears, are they? Are pandas? Pandas aren't pets. No, no. The only real kinds of bears are uh, grizzly bears. No, that's it. Just grizzly bears. <laughs> so I think you did have grizzly bears in there. And then you have polar bears, and then you have panda bears. So for the people at home, <laughs> we are, you're building a kind of uh, a bear park out of Tetris shapes in the slide we're talking about. You can see uh, uh, you guys started from nothing, and then gradually you bought different weird. Because um, uh, I got told off by this on Twitter, there are only tetrominoes if they're made of four yeah. um, squares. Shapes. They're shapes. Awkward bear shapes. <laughs> but yeah, you start off with a tiny park, and then you have to, very similar to, uh, is it Potter's Garden? or no, Cottage Garden. Cottage Garden, that's it. And Feast for Odin now. Yes. 
Uh, it has that thing of like you place a tile down, then where you place it, you then activate other things that allow you to get more tiles, and then you build up, and then also the things we activate, you get to build a bigger park, so your park stretches out. And I found it really, really fun and really satisfying. Oh, really? How did you get on with it? I really like. I, there's something amazingly uh, pleasing about filling in shapes and making the whole thing work. And as long as you're planning one or two moves ahead, it seems to really flow. I think I would have found it really frustrating if I if we'd ended up in a position where I couldn't fill a gap and I was desperately struggling to like none of the shapes work. What yeah. is this? But it seemed to uh, like the three of us actually finished our park in the final turn, and so I think it was what you, really well. Sorry, what are you trying to do? To get the most points for having the best bare park. Doesn't Germany yeah, get the best? There's, there's a bunch of things like there's you know there's lots of different variations. It's not like if somebody takes a shape and you're like oh I was going to take that shape because mm. most of the shapes have lots of duplicates. But then as you go down the stack, they become less worth less and less points. So it's always encouraging you oh. to like just take the highest point value thing and try and work it out. So the puzzle's not hard, but it's always enticing you to be like, make it harder for yourself. And it, there's also like contracts that you can fulfill mm. to... Um, Is like, it the bears have made you sign a contract? <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, um, you could build a really long river out of the uh, those L-shaped things. If you look actually, you can see, this was my board. I, I was attempting to just, in the middle you can see there's actually a connection where you have three rivers that all connect together nicely, and that's what I needed to do to get the points. But I had a lot of attempts before that where I kept forgetting, you know, also I've got actually an unbelievable quantity of water in my park. But more water than bears. It looks like someone dug a river and then left, and then you got in another contractor who dug a river. <laughs> dug another river. Also, I've noticed that the furthest possible point from the entrance of your park is toilets, is, is toilets <laughs> behind about 18 rivers and three bear enclosures. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little bit more of a gauntlet than a park. <laughs> and I have to say as well, actually, is you can't really see it on these images from this far, but one thing about this game, I really like this game, but one thing about this game, when I noticed it, it actually started to drive me physically mad quite quickly, is that the perspective on the pieces, the, the perspective of the art is not consistent. <laughs> so some of it looks like it's perfectly top down, some of it's slightly at an angle, and some of it's sideways. And it's just like, it, it, it made me... Yeah, I didn't like that. So it's like it's a it's a flat representation of you playing on some kind of hypercube. Like yeah. You're building your you're building a bare dimension. Unintentional Escher. <laughs> the flattened yeah. out. Yeah. I think unintentional Escher is the only way. So yeah, I think if I was trying to describe it, it would be Tetris meets Castles of Mad King. Uh, like that, that sounds like a good sell. I've got to say my favourite thing about this actually. Um, my two favourite things are the fact that my three favourite things. <laughs> I like bears. <laughs> Fine. My favourite things about this, right, are A, when they were describing the rules, they were like, oh yeah, but you can't build, and like, well, this is what happens when you build this, this you can't build on these holes, and it's like a hole surrounded by tape, security tape, but you can't build on these holes. And immediately I felt so sad, because I was like, oh, but it means there's always going to be a space in my park where there's just nothing. And they're like, oh, but when you fill the thing, you put a bear statue in the hole. And I was like, yes! <laughs> and it is so satisfying, because you fill it up, and in the final bit, you get the crowning, like, little cherry on the cake. That is such a simple thing. And the fact that you can't see on this image probably, but the fact that they're not square, they have like the corners cut off to be slightly octagonal. Just something about popping that in feels awesome. It's the tiny details in board games. And the other thing I really loved about this was the fact that when you get the next tiles, you get them at the end of your turn. It means you then got, while everyone else is having a go, you can then spend the time to basically like so when it gets your turn, there's none of that kind of analysis paralysis because you're basically, you're working out what you're doing sure. for ages. So the, the game, for something like this, which is quite tricky, the game just rocketed by mm -hmm. with four players. It was I, just snapping. It seems a disappointment that it's called Bear Park, and while that's a really nice, colourful theme, it doesn't have any of the wonderful stuff we saw in Dungeon Pets where you have to raise an animal that then might get sad and shit itself and then escape. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, that is, that's upsetting. Whereas we're not really taking care of bears here. This is like just lowering bears into their ceremonial shapes. <laughs> where they will die. It didn't mind me a theme park, though. And any game that does that always makes me sad. Okay. So, yeah. So that's one to check out. That's Baron Park. Baron Park. Um, next, well, one thing to We are working our way towards more and more exciting games, by the way. We've, uh, we've backloaded this. Yeah. Yes. We just... Hmm. Yeah. So, we won't probably talk about this for that long. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Behind us, you can see Eric Lang's The Godfather, um, a game about uh, who can be the best at the Godfather. 
Um, it's a lot like three men and a baby because being a godfather is very difficult, and uh, it, you know you need to take care of these kids. You need to make sure their morals are right. Uh, now I'm lying. It's a game about car bombs. Car bombs. <laughs> it's a game about like um, yeah, car bombs. So it is a combination of a. Uh, <laughs> what? I mean, that's what sticks in my mind. Really. Yeah, the car bombs. It's basically Eric Lang's car bombs, and also sometimes there is a mobster. Um, <laughs> so you. It's a combination worker placement game and area control game. So on paper, I think the thing that excited everyone about this, and certainly excited us, is you have. Uh, you're competing families, and you deciding uh, on each of the rounds of the game where to put your monster. Whether you're going to shake down the gun shop, or the bar, or bury some of your money in Central Park, um, which seems like a very low quality bank. And, but that's a real thing you can do. You can put family members down, and when you have enough people in the district, because they survive to the end of a round, you, play, you take control of that district. You play, place a little hexagonal thing. So it's area control, but what that then means is if anyone places one of their mobsters in your part of town, like shakes down the booze shop, you then get that reward as well, because it's your part of town. So that is a lovely thing. Yeah, it's worker placement, but if you place workers in Brooklyn, then I'm going to get some of your guns. Or and so much of this game, like visually as well, uh, and visually aesthetically, it's pops. Like, you know, the pieces are, the pieces are awesome, the, uh, the art is awesome, you, you get these, you can see them slightly, you get these little metal tins that you keep your money cards in and your completed jobs. So like, as you're like, it's a suitcase, right? Yeah, it's, it's your suitcase tin. full of cash that you keep under the so bed. So yeah, and, like, and that's kind of a real mechanic, is making the money but then using the actions to like, to basically put it in your suitcase to be like, making sure it's not out of your hand and it's safe. Um, so, this was quite a long game, we played, we did play with five players, yeah. um, which I think is a really important caveat. We were all pretty excited to play, it didn't quite land for any of us. You quite liked it more than us, I think. Yeah, I think so. I liked it because I think it was that different experience of I had my engine of stuff up and running and mm-hmm. that really, really didn't. Like, yeah. mm. you'd made some just different decisions earlier on in the game and it meant that you weren't able to tap some of those resources for, like, extras each turn, whereas I was and I would just sit there with you know, an absolute fan of cards just desperately trying to work out what I wanted to do with my many options first. We did actually all finish the game and there were several minutes of waiting for Pip's engine to continue coming to a stop because she could keep taking turns. Proper runaway train moment, yeah. Uh, but there is, it's, as a worker placement game, as an area control game, um, it, it kind of undermines both of those genres and that sounds cool, but in practice it uh, lets you losing some of the thrill. I mean, imagine um, playing Agricola where you, uh, you know, you place your family worker to go and get, um, uh, you know, clay. And then your friend goes, Ah, oh, but I really wanted clay! And that's the heart of worker placement. Now imagine that what follows that is your friend parking a car bomb outside of the clay shop, <laughs> blowing up your worker and then being, I've got clay now. And it's like... <laughs> I, mm, on paper, that sounds awesome. It really does. But the issue in practice that um, I certainly found in this, particularly because it was like, this morning I was like half asleep and I was kind of, I caught most of the rules, but not entirely, but I thought, you know what, it's fine. First round, I'll just work it out. I'll just like, I'll play, I'll work it out. And what happened was, the first round I just didn't do very well. And because I didn't get any territory, it then meant I wasn't getting those bonuses next round for people like, using those territories, and everyone else was. And it was this kind of like, runaway steam trade thing, which is fine, but then, because there are so many interesting ways in this game that you can mess up other players, be it like, sending in gangsters to shoot people up, car bombs that just kill all characters. Oh my god. Like, in the next slide, this is like an example of a few of the rounds, just about this. <laughs> And again, I love this. So what we've, this what we've got in this photo is, oh, Matt, do you want to... Because when characters die, like, you drop them in the Hudson River, which is awesome. <laughs> and they have to be, the manual does specify face down. And yeah, uh, there's this really weird bit of theme where those people aren't actually dead, because at the end of each round, everyone recovers their workers from the river, which is this sort of Monty Python moment of like, oh my god, there's a body in the river. And then the body rolls over and goes, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, it's... It was the, the, the issue that, uh, that I, I kind of felt fine with it because there wasn't any malice. You could mess up other players, uh, but when you drop a car bomb off in like the center of town and you like kill that many people, perhaps people weren't really doing it like because they wanted to screw you over. Yeah, for a game about the mafia, there was no hatred, there was no resentment, there was just someone going. There was yeah. economics. It was yeah, pure, which is 
fine, but like also it's the Godfather, and the Godfather well, isn't people going like, hey, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to up now. I think for me, the thing that I liked about it was I was in the right frame of mind for the game, mm-hmm. but in terms of the theme, it kind of embodied the, oh god, three hours, really? Of the Godfather. <laughs> the thing I liked uh, was that at the end of the game, you hadn't realised that every uh, sort of dollar bill you have in your suitcase is a victory point. Yeah. And so it's like, what did you think we were murdering people for? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's just like, there's, crime is not like inherently just and, oh, I got victory points for doing the coolest murder. To be fair, in the way that, the way that all the other cards in the game work, it is like having the most of them gets you the points. So it's it kind of reasonable to think that having the most money would get you points. Mm-hmm. I thought that but, everything yeah, that you, you have so much money and you're like, oh, phony this stuff. I know. I'm, like, I'm not going for a money victory. And so I like maxed out so much of this other stuff, and then it was like, but how much money do you have at the end? And I'm like, I take this all wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of has this weird thing of like everyone has their points in secret. You got these, you know, you, you, you have to tell people when you put money in the box how much you're putting in. But keeping track of there's so many cards going there, keeping track of everyone, and trying to work out who's doing best mm-hmm. uh, is basically unless you're kind of really on it, impossible. And so you have this thing of being like. And also because so many of the powers, so you're just indiscriminately killing large amounts of people sometimes. Yeah. It just becomes this thing of like, it's hard to really pick on who's winning because you don't really know. And what I kept finding was I'm like, I'm like, you're okay this round, and it's like a car bomb, and I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm screwed again. And it, it, it sort of felt like, yeah, it just, it didn't quite hang together in the way that I'd like. No, but let's definitely move on to, yes. is, it, is it the best game next? Possibly. I should finally say that we played with five, you know. Five games, five players is always very slow and stuff, so maybe it's yeah, bad experience. But we'll see. The next game was, I think, the, that's the best photo you got. That is yeah, unfortunate. That wasn't great. Okay, so we played First Martians, mm, which is of some amount of interest because uh, famously on Shadow of the Dead, I wasn't the biggest fan of Robinson Crusoe. I was really excited for First Martians, um, which is a game that is kind of like a sequel, tons of the same mechanics. It's not a reskin, and ooh. Oh, I loved it. It was, yeah. yeah. If you want to be excited about a game at Gen Con, we couldn't believe we could even play this because it was so hyped and then there was no one waiting for the demo booth. Uh, Portal have one copy of this that they are demoing, and if you get the chance, you should play it because not only is it this really neat game of uh, running a Martian colony that's really involved, um, and I'll point out that the picture we've got on the slide now with all those cubes, so in the uh, release version, those are all green. Um, and it, so for the people at home, you're imagining like, not a switchboard of green lights, which looks like a really complicated game, but actually it's not, because all that happens is when something breaks, like, oh, the oxygen in the relaxation room is broken, you just turn that green cube to red, and so it's this actually very thematic thing of you're looking at a heads-up display, and as the weeks go on, more and more things start pinging red. To be honest, when we sat down to look at this, uh, my heart sank to the brick. Um, I was quite tired, I hadn't quite finished my drinking my cup of tea yet, and I, it was just so many bits and so many icons and so much... It, it looks very plain, but yeah, once you start playing, it actually pops to life so quickly. Because yeah, you realize it is just like a sci-fi film bank of light, and it doesn't really matter what any of them are as long as they're not red, <laughs> uh, which is true in life. Should we? Uh, let's get rid of our one complaint about first motions currently, and this may change because it has an app, and so a lot of the card play and a lot of um, complex legacy game stuff. Because hey, we found this out. This game actually is a campaign that you do work your way through, and there are secret envelopes in the box as you continue your Martian colony. Which we didn't realise and is really great because if this was an exciting game, there's one more reason to be excited. Uh, oh yeah, so the app um, tracks our decisions, but the writing in it is bare bones to the point of like, it just was cracking us up. It was quite funny. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, the app is really early on that side, but yeah, the, the, it was, some of it was just like, um, oh, there's, there's been an accident. Or like one of those, like, <laughs> yeah, it's all kind of was, mission logs from the mission, so it's... all adventures. If you, get, if you roll the yeah. dice and something goes wrong, then you go on an adventure. And one of the adventures was, uh, oh, that, these machines are broken. And then, it, but because the app tracks your decision, there was a thing later on where it was like, oh, no, they're fine. Actually, yeah, one of them, <laughs> that's fine. It's like, it's just the idea of somebody being like, oh, I've just been on an adventure. What happened? Oh, I did Television's broken. <laughs> oh, Alright. Uh, oh, but it's fine, it's not. Right. It's sort of like when your grandma tells you about adventure. <laughs> How long was that story? That 15 minutes, so that's my grandma specifically, I'm sorry. It was, it was the mission logs as well, because some of the some of the flavor tech stuff like 
you know, mission log from the astronaut. Yeah. And it was like the idea of NASA getting back these messages from like their four Martian colonists. It's mission log. billions on this, and it's like... Some, something's broken? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, something yeah, seems man. wrong. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> that was legitimately one of the mission logs. Something seems wrong. But NASA's like there with like a crew of 40 people looking at the screen being like, what? Did they send anything else? It's like, yeah, that's the last message. They're all dead. <laughs> right. Is that, can we go through the other logs? What they said? It's like, everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, a bit off. But so, uh, but like Robinson Crusoe, if you've played that, the heart of this is every player gets a couple of um, action tokens, they can choose what to do. Um, but a lot of the systems in this are slightly more complicated and in front of you. So, you have power, oxygen, food, but um, every little aspect of all of them, from oxygen to power, to the rate at which your plants are growing, because this is Mars, is tracked and is tinkerable, and you have so many more things you can do, giving you more control over the system. It is uh, the flip, which is what I wanted from Robinson Crusoe. The flip side is that it's less thematic, and I know that thematic. Mm. Well, here's the thing: uh, Robinson Crusoe finds might find it less thematic because it's less like you go on an adventure and say, "Oh, it's a tiger! You're mauled by a tiger!" Yeah. Whereas this is a lot more really subtle, wonderful, more gentle writing that Matt and I actually found much more effective. Like. One of the awful stress cards we flipped over was like uh, the medical records on here. Yeah, and then it's like all you all that doesn't do anything, but you increase six stress. So it's like all the astronauts realizing, wait, where, where are our medical records? We've lost them. Yeah, what? I think it's like the medical records folder is empty. And that doesn't mean like, anything, but yeah. it's like all the astronauts know if they get injured, they are that much more likely to die. Like it's really subtle, claustrophobic. Night. Oh, it's and good. so many, so many of like the player skills were like you know each of have characters like I was kind of medic slash biologist and you know had people who were like good at going out and exploring the rover and there was that whole thing as well like fortunately I've got a really bad image of this I'm sorry I've got fake photos but um like there, there's a whole other kind of ring to the side of it it's like a clock of segments that you can get from a pile randomly when you explore Mars and you know you can send out rovers and you can send out little your little pickup trucks to come back with things and again it, it's a weird thing um, that is really to do with like very subtle psychology here, but there's something about like you, you know driving out across Mars and finding that like oh it's bumpy, mm-hmm. uh, and because it's bumpy, it's like your vehicle is broken. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that somehow when that happens and you drive and the terrain's wrong and it messes up your rover, that feels more acceptable than like it's a mad monkey stolen your money or something. You know, it's like, and it's like it's way less thematic, but somehow in the subtlety, like the, when misfortune hits you out of nowhere, it feels like when it's things in it's like something's broken slightly or there's a leak. You kind of accept it more than like, hey, some wacky stuffs come out of nowhere. And, and it's weird, like I think with this sort of board game, you know, board games live or die for some people on, on how acceptable that stuff feels. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, it's it's really just the way that stuff breaks slowly. Yeah. Like all of the systems break slowly. Your oxygen runs out slowly, which means you have that much more time to try and like plug leaks to fix stuff. I felt like I was more in control. For all I know, like there are harder missions when it just turns into complete BS. I mean, this we played the tutorial mission, and it was like we didn't really have problems, but we could already see the way everything was interconnected. Like, oh, if the electricity fails a bit, then that means that the place going to plants is going to fail a bit, and the place is like we need NASA sends us here to build a second farm, and you're like, well, do we have the time to build a second farm right now? Because we haven't played video games in weeks, and that means our morale is really low. <laughs> Which is a thing! Uh, but it is funny. It's like, you know... I oh, thought... well, that was great. Sorry, that was the fun thing. If one person plays video games, then the whole colony's morale goes up, because there's one shared morale and stress tracker. So it's the thing, if you all hate each other so much that it's like, I'll just go and play some video games. <laughs> and then when they do that, oh, <laughs> There was one thing about this, though, actually, which you were still... Because obviously it's funny, like, I think we've got time to briefly mention it. Like, you played and did a review of Robinson Crusoe, like, such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was, like, when the website was just starting. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, because we obviously just did this big feature about, like, you know, looking at the, the this BGG list of the best games and talking about what we think and what we thought. And we, you know, went through the videos and grabbed all of this text and what, what we said. And obviously, yeah. in videos from the past couple of years, that's not a problem. But, like, some of this stuff was from such a long time ago when we weren't ever intending, well, you weren't ever intending to be in the sort of position that we might be in now. Yeah. You were just making dumb internet videos. And you were like, I can't even, you know, you're quite honestly saying to people on the website, like, and everyone's going, oh, Robinson Crusoe's great. Like, you couldn't exactly remember why you didn't like it so much. But it doesn't really matter. The fact is, you just didn't like it. But what matters now is I'm playing First Martians, and it, I am enjoying it. Exactly. It's, whether it's better or not, that's not quite a thing. Oh, have you got the next slide of... Uh... Oh, this is just my favourite thing. I found out in this, you can, um, this is my character, um, and I found out that if you get the morale tokens, which you get if you do this with them, 
You can like put the morale tokens on their eyes to give them like goggly fly eyes. And that was my favourite thing. Yes. Are we ready to move on to our favourite game? Is this, uh... I think so. Okay, right. Secret best game of the convention. You hit the box now. I hit it. You'll never find it. So we located this in the press preview this morning. This is coming to Kickstarter later. This is... The Champion of the Wilds. <laughs> now, Pip, you want to describe what the box art looks like for people at home? Well, uh, it's the best. you have, uh, as you might find at the Olympics, a hurdle course uh, with, as you might find at the Olympics, a horse, a lion, a dolphin, and a polar bear. The, uh, there's an emu giving them the side-eye, and an elephant, who I don't know, uh, is just hanging out. And uh, what I love is the attention to detail in that the, um, the dolphin has a water track to follow, because obviously it would be ridiculous if it was having to run. <laughs> I mean... So what we've got here is a kind of party game with the best art, or second best art. Ooh, we're going to talk about Laser Riders tomorrow, uh, which is the most beautiful game I've seen all year. Um, uh, and not for the reason you think. Um, but if people are homeless, you definitely Google Laser Riders with a Y and a Z. <laughs> but the second best art of the con we've seen is The Champion of the Wild. Now, while this is a game where Matt, myself, and Pip will be competing, uh, coming to Kickstarter later this year, we are going to need, uh, like in the Olympics, a panel of judges. But first, we'll explain what it is. Uh, no, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you explain what it is? Because we don't want people hanging up like lemons. That's embarrassing. I've been there. You're like, oh, why don't you do it? I can explain that thing. Understanding this is weird. Okay, I was going to make some people feel weird, but no. Who wants to feel weird? Do you want to feel weird? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh right. my god! Right. Okay, I'm just going to point at six. Yes. Uh, you, 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 and then. Do we have. Someone with like very that. equal opportunity is. You. Is that a yeah. lady? Oh, there's a lady. Oh. <laughs> I just enjoyed the way you were. Really stretching the spine there for that extra inch. And oh, thank you all very much. Um, oh, I've realised we don't have enough chairs. <laughs> yeah. What I wanted you guys to do was huddle around. So, do you all? How many chairs do we have? One, two, three, four, five. There's one chair there. Oh, good. Right now, there's one chair. So you're all just going to start fighting for it. This isn't weird, is it? <laughs> Name of it. There's two more chairs. Right, great. Audience participation, please get easy, easy. We've got loads of chairs in the green room. We actually pull people up on stage and make them prepare their own bit. You know, I think this is the first time we've had a proper green room for like podcast. It's amazing. What's going to be in the green room? What's going to be in the green room? It's just loads of chairs. <laughs> like we could have brought a real entourage and a window that is sealed with illumination lines. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, so I've got the. Shall I introduce the? Introduce the vaguest of the game, yeah, and then we'll have our judges introduce themselves. Cool. So, the vague just of this game is it's basically like who would win in a fight between. But imagine if rather than just being like who would win the fight between, you've got like a bunch of really good questions, more interesting questions, and it's all about animals. So we've pulled out three here, we've got them might be able to see the board. Actually no, kind of got so people can see all of our judges have to fling themselves onto the floor as if there's a grenade in order to not drop It's fine, the they only need to really see the art on the screen. And you can totally see it. Please, don't do this to your spines. I can read this. So, after the events at Getaway Matthew, do a, um uh, intro to the Olympics theme song. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now beginning the Animal Olympics. As has been the case for a hundred years, the events will be animal stacking, jousting, and Mount Everest. Thanks for tuning. Stop. Stop. Okay, good. That's totally going to get ID by tunes. We're going to be like, not <laughs> It's going to be like content copyright strike one bang. So we've got some important rules here, right? We've got animal stacking. That's like what animals can you stack on top of each other, and it's all like the same type of that animal, and you have to argue for that. Jousting, obviously, I love the fact it's got someone I think on a rhino and someone on a whale jousting each other. Um, Matthew, I've just seen we have six judge cards and seven judges. Uh, you messed that up, didn't we? So here's a random business card for the seven. <laughs> yeah, I guess the face is good. Anyway, um, so this has some rules, like we can't have water animals or bird animals for animal stacking. Jousting, you can have water and you can have birds. 
But then it's like the last one, I love this detail, the rules. Mount Everest, you can't have water creatures climbing Mount Everest. You can have birds, but they must be on the ground. <laughs> Look, it's got a little like bird on the ground. That icon you? means flying aloud, but must start with feet on ground. Oh, that's not as good. I like the idea of a little penguin. What well, other penguins can't fly anyway? Oh, ignore it. <laughs> and you can already see why this is the best game. So, uh, what I will say to our judges, if, if, so rather than all lean into the mic, which now seems very awkward, uh, why don't we... Oh, we've got a, oh, we've got a loose mic. Great. Hello, judge number one. We, I'm hoping we've got a very international jury. Where are you from and what's your name? I'm from Newbury. I'm, my name's Rob. And my spirit animal is an ocelot. Ooh! So, for exciting political reasons, we can't use the spirit animal joke again. <laughs> but what I can have is your favourite animal. Uh, an ocelot. Oh, there you go! <laughs> okay, great. Thank you very much. Uh, judge from Newbury. What far-flung region will our next judge panellist be from? Uh, from the Wirral, near Liverpool. The Wirral! No yeah. one knows where it is, so we think in Liverpool. I know the Wirral. I used to live in, in Cheshire, so everyone said Matt, in Manchester, because no one knows where I live from here. So, yeah. yeah. The North, no one gives a toss about it. <laughs> uh, who's our next judge? Oh, do you, do you have a name in the middle? I'm Georgia. Uh, I like Rhinos. Rhinos are good. I work in a zoo, so. You do? Yeah, I work in just a zoo. Shit. <laughs> okay, you could be our tiebreaker. Uh, hello. Hello. Where are you from and what's your name? Uh, I'm from Blackpool and I'm Chris. Chris, what a, what a wonderful international jury. <laughs> Thank you very much. Chris, what's your favourite animal? Uh, the mighty red panda. Ooh. Don't know much about the red panda. Uh, hello, sir. Uh, what's your name? Hello. Where are you from? My name's Gareth York, from York. You're kidding. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they make Yorkie bells. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, your parents, like, one day our son will be on a panel at a, at a high-class comedy show. We need to give him a name that's very easy to make. Sorry, thank you. What's your animal? Uh, orangutans. Orangutans! Ooh! Good choice. Hello. Hello! What's your name? Where are you from? Um, my name's Rosie French, but I'm just Uh, thank you very much, Rosie. What's your favourite animal? Uh, it's cat. Sorry. Not a proper animal. <laughs> it's pronounced cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's your backup animal? Um, I've forgotten every animal. Every Horses! A fine animal. Yeah, thank you very much. That's great. Sixth judge, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Tasha. I'm from Canada. Uh, oh, um, yay! Yeah, I'm actually just from, from Sheffield now. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to disappoint. Uh, Tasha, what's your favourite animal? Raccoons. Raccoons! Trash pandas. Fine answer. <laughs> Hello, final judge. What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, hi, my name is John. I'm from Texas. I'm going to be a Glasgow. Oh, so that's it. Hey, that is plenty far. You're our second best judge. Uh, what's your favourite? What's the job? Uh, no, she works in a zoo, so. What, okay, do you, what, what do you do for a job? Um, I work in a bank. Mm, not many animals in bank, except for the animal that is man. <laughs> I mean, if anyone wants to kind of like, you know, buy and support my board game, then I can do this. There you go! Okay, what's your favourite animal? Uh, platypus. Platypus? Yeah. Hmm. Good job. A terrible choice. <laughs> okay, so very simply, judges, you each have a card that reads undecided on one side and ready to vote on the other side. When you are... When, uh, so, Matt, uh, myself and Pip are going to pick one animal from our hand of cards. We are going to put that animal on the table, and that same animal has to do all three events. Uh, but rather than dice or any of that BS, we are going to have you guys deciding who wins the event. Which is, frankly, how a lot of biased sporting events work anyway, so... Um, yep, so you guys will, will we'll each give you a pitch as to why the animal will win the event, and then you guys will uh, vote on who wins. Very simple, right? Thank you all very much. Round of applause for our judges. Oh God! These animals are terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not the kind of person to say that any animal is objectively bad, but this animal is kind of awful. Oh, okay, let's pick one and go with it. I got this. <laughs> oh, okay, no, this is this is straightforward. Okay, nice. You pick one, Pip? 
Tip is thinking about this, which is her first mistake. Um, I brought my own. No, 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 no. Okay, show of hands, who thinks Tip should be allowed to use her French of his magic pony? Yeah. That's less than half the room. All the room. (laughs) The entire room. I don't know. We're going to need you to stick with the rules of Champion of the Wild. I'm Unless you have a magical pony in that hand of cards. Are oh, my little ponies that ponies? Are oh, my little ponies animals? Are oh, my little ponies worthwhile? Well, well, nobody knows the answer to these questions. Fine. You buried uh, the best joke in that sense. Yes. Sure. Fine. Right. That's fine. Um, okay, so should we all be the coaches of our respective animals? So that's the character we should take. Oh man, I'm trying to imagine myself massaging it and it's odd. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it! I'm trying to imagine myself not getting the shit kicked into me by it and it's odd. <laughs> Uh, but this is the magical world. Okay, so should we just pitch our animal for the first event? First event is animal stacking. I thought we had to have one that was for all of them. Yeah, we do. But we're going to introduce first off animal stacking. Okay, 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 okay. So the animal stacking is ready. The animals are limbering up. They're, they're putting chalk on themselves, I imagine. Uh, for the animals that won't dry up and die when that happens. There's <laughs> chalk for friction, right? For stacking. So to be clear, this is an event where animals must be placed on top of uh, one another to create the the most the sort of the tallest pile of animals. Uh, Matthew, what is your entrance? Mine is the mighty squirrel. Because <laughs> I think they're they're light, they're good, they can stack quite efficiently. Um, I mean, they can probably like hold each other's tails for like some sort of stability. Um, and especially if they like alternate, like if they're right, I think I think squirrels have got this. Also, fur, little grip, like little guys. That's what you want to hear from your coaches, but I think maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you what's better than stacking squirrels, Matthew. Let me tell you what makes a taller pile of more noble beasts stacking kangaroos. <laughs> so, first off, kangaroo bipedal. Um, it's got that light, sort of big haunch, big back, narrow. <laughs> why, are you, why are you shaking your head? Kangaroos like. Are constantly hopping around just to keep themselves standing up. <laughs> Put another one on top of it, and it's going to be a mess. Uh, what I will point out, just just generally, like it's got a sort of flat kind of back. So imagine those big legs wrapped around a kangaroo's neck. <laughs> if they're running Australians here, you're going to you're going to be you'd be in trouble. Uh, show of hands, any Australians in the room? One go. Hello. Uh, sorry, what's your name, sir? He's from Newcastle. <laughs> he's he's Australian from Newcastle, but figures. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, kangaroos. I mean, what's what's wrong with what's not to sack? What's what? not to sack? I'll point out. How many, I get one kangaroo on top of another kangaroo. That's like thirty squirrels. Yeah, but it's about the number of things, number yeah. of animals. Is it? Also, I'm gonna find also, they've got so much stuff in their pockets, and if that stuff is off to the side, then they'd fall off because they'd be so unbalanced. It would, it would just send their centre of gravity just over to the side. Well, also, the judges to decide. I found the card itself, which, like billionaire banshee, reading the card is the best bit. Yeah. Animals are stacked on top of each other so that only one animal is touching the ground. Players can use tools and machinery to move the animals. <laughs> But the stack must remain stable for one minute to oh, fuck. <laughs> to qualify as stable. The number of animals. Ah, oh, I didn't read this. Yeah, the number yeah. of animals in the stack. Number of animals in the stack is the point. I can totally do five squirrels minimum. <laughs> no, no, get me some squirrels right now. I'll do it. I don't care if they're in it. We'll do it. I can well, do it. Put up a wall. What's your creature? I went with. The uh, kangaroo of the field. The brown hair. <laughs> oh, I wish we'd known we could have picked animals that were different. Because I thought with all of the sexy time they were used to sort of being on top of each other. Have you never seen two kangaroos having sex? One is perfectly balanced atop the other. It's like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> looking up videos on the shared so I can sit down YouTube account, have you? Uh, yeah, recommend other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, judges, are you ready to cast your votes? Wait, if I just hold it, they're ready. Um, should we just have them? Yeah. In the same order we introduced you, why don't you yell your first places? Uh, whenever you're ready. Squirrel. Squirrel. <gasps> Uh, I was about to go, whoa! <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel. Oh. Squirrel. Come on. Come on, you nutty 
Nazi little yes. gifts. Hair. Oh, wow. Alright, our first point is square up. So, this is the point in the actual game you would always see points and medals, and also the players would vote for each other rather than yeah. having well, the the having pulled six, six or seven people. In. Right, let's move on to the next round. Next I round. got this covered. Jousting. Matt, read out the children for jousting. Players don armor and mount their animals to compete in a jousting competition. <laughs> now, I had to that. That has changed my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, face as you're dressing the squirrel up in armour. And then the referee comes in and is like, Matt, you ready? Um, good that now, I should clarify. Do not go out into the wilds of Birmingham and capture squirrels and and like the people at home listening to this uh, on the podcast, we really can't overstate how astonishingly good the art is. Like, this is art of the quality that you see on like Magic the Gathering cards, but it's a whale with a rhino. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it's, this is, this is amazing. Um, well, I'm going to say right off the bat, the reason I chose this, I assumed it was going to be tiny squirrels. No, that's, yeah. no, no, that's not how this works. No, no, it's fine, but I'm just going to say that like, um, Squirrels, the reason I choose them for jousting is they have a very strong innate ability to accurately center in on nuts. <laughs> but I'm not sure they're going to be able to doing that, be doing that whilst holding the weight of a 13 stone man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, a kangaroo could probably win this event by itself without me on top of it. I don't know. you on the back of a kangaroo, it's very funny. I had a fight with my uh, wife because she didn't believe that emu racing is a thing. <laughs> uh, and it is! You can look on YouTube with people racing and riding uh, emus and ostriches. Oh, so, uh, but your trajectory of your lance would be all over the place with a, with a kangaroo. I don't need to hit you in the chest, I just imagine the lance bouncing up in the air and then coming down on your tiny head. <laughs> What, the kangaroo might eat? What do you say? No, like, because it's bouncing you off. So you'd fall off, you'd get stabbed by your own I've got to say, I think we're both in a bit of a... Uh, <laughs> I don't think we've got a lot to Is work with here. Is this a good time to point out that I actually had a horse in the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a good time to point out I had a grey white shark in my head? <laughs> I had well, a blue whale. But I just, I sort of hope that I'd be allowed to use my space <laughs> I mean, you guys got it good. I have a mosquito in my hand, so... And an African lion. <laughs> How did you not pick that? Jousting on the back of that would have been awesome. <laughs> and okay. the little squirrel doing jousting, it was great. Let's throw it over to our audience. Is there any doubt? Will there be an upset? Wait, Please. wait, what? no, I want to go on my head. I mean, I want to... <laughs> Can we edit that out? <laughs> I feel that it has really pointy ears. Okay. And those would be extra prongs to right between the eyes. Yeah, really, it's really happens. noble when people don't give up. Right. It's so exactly. you, are, you, you are a very small human, but you still can't ride a rabbit. It's a hare. They're bigger. <laughs> Judges, please, can we have our results of the... Well, I'll tell you what. No, let's make this interesting. No, that's not. Let's just go. Uh, who wins? Well, I'm imagining him running down a line with a, scr- with a squirrel strapped to his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a question. Okay, no, that's good. If we assume that riding is technically just it's ducks, as long as the rider is attached to it. Whereas I actually have to ride my kangaroo. In which case, yeah, I have a hard time imagining you. Sort of wondering what the hell's going on, so I have to go with squirrel again. That is actually fair and a very good reason. Will anyone have faith that I could joust on a kangaroo? The manual says it follows your commands, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to turn to you going like a straight line and a kangaroo kind of hits the one just like... I just... Uh, what? what, what oh, t- oh my god. It's <laughs> 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 a kangaroo. I think it's a moving field to ride, though, so... Okay, good. Thank you. Right, one squirrel, one kangaroo. Let's go. Uh, I have full faith in the kangaroo. Yes! Right, come on. Judge four. Kangaroo gives you the high ground. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> the best day of my life. Yeah, I'm going to go for the kangaroo and then report Matt to the RSPCA. <laughs> <laughs> 
for those of you not in the UK, the RSPCA is a uh, charity that looks after the protection of animals. And uh, judging on the things I said today, I probably should be reported to the <laughs> I'm not going to make bones about that. See, I kind of assumed you'd have like some kind of horrific hair or squirrel on each foot like you meant in roller skates. You guys could have teamed up. Also, there's no limit for the number. I still think the kangaroo is the most sensible option. Hot oh, yeah. damn! Yeah. Final judge! Uh, yeah, kangaroo. Boom! Okay. Right! Nice either. We move on to our third and final event. Everything to play for with... Who won the first event? I love you with the manual being like, I said they want to bury me! Like, just said you bought a kangaroo. You are so funny. The final event, of course, Mount Everest. Matt, why don't you read out the event listing? Animals start at base camp and must climb to the peak of Mount Everest as quickly as possible. <laughs> Refreshments are provided on demand. <laughs> I like that it sort of second guesses the arguments you might get into. It's like, there's no way you get really thirsty and hungry. <laughs> right, um, Matthew, what you got? <laughs> what <does it> go? <laughs> what I got? I got a squirrel trying to climb over. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're... <sighs> yeah, that's how I felt last round. <laughs> uh, the kangaroo, the great noble beast, who among us can say they can't, they can imagine a more noble sight. That a man, oh, actually, I'm not involved in this, am I? That a kangaroo atop Mount Everest, thrusting its tiny paws into the air, kicking wildly in a kind of mad dance. Uh, I think that would be a real victory for humanity, never mind the mood landings. And I think it's not just that I am going to win, it's that I should win. I don't think it would survive the uh, low oxygen. No. I'm actually, I'm ah. honest, I, 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 wait, what? Wait, you, you're digging yourself a hole here. A hair no, is... no, because oh, hares no. can sometimes be like winter animals and do fine in the snow, thanks. <laughs> so, and also, combined with the running and or jumping, I feel like Everest, fine. Yeah, I think my little buddies are like, get up until it gets cold, and then they'd be like, oh, let's just hibernate. That's just, yeah. And they just wouldn't make it to the Yours top. hibernate, yours are Australian. I'm in Pittsburgh now. I think hares actually would probably fare the best at the top of somewhere like that. Australia and Arab in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> right, judges, uh, it's down to you. I think I'd be with a hare. Oh no, but then it would be. No, then we won an event and we just need to play this game again and no one can leave! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, for the hare, I didn't think the kangaroo can survive. <laughs> Someone. Come on, it's the hair again. If you if you vote kangaroo, I'll buy a drink. <laughs> kangaroo. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go for You do need more than one vote. <laughs> <laughs> and the kangaroo. Ah, oh, I can't take it back now, can I? Ooh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I can't decide to move if this girl's before gets the vote. Oh, I like think... Eurovision. <laughs> oh, snap, imagine Eurovision. Sorry, come on. <laughs> I, I feel like the hair would be most at home on Everest. <sighs> I think a kangaroo would just sink into the snow, so I'd go with the hair. It's all true. I think it would be like Legolas just and it would walk on top of the snow. <laughs> Oh my god, well, it's a uh, shocker. All th it turns out different animals are adapted for different things. <laughs> Finally, snap round. Animal on your hands, find one quick. Which animal would win Eurovision? Oh, Eurovision, for those who don't know, in the US is a, is a European pop concert. It's amazing. Oh, oh I've got it, I've got it. I've got it. No, you've lost. I've got it. Ostrich. Oh, the feathers? The feathers, the legs. Oh, I've, uh, I've, the eyes, man. It's all in the eyes. It's in the eyes and the eyelashes. I've watched Eurovision a few times, and I'm pretty sure I heard the sound of a blue whale on it a few times. <laughs> that is Enya to the max. <laughs> uh, that's not eligible. That's not from Europe. Uh, <laughs> that's rubbish. Uh, ah, meerkats. They would do the synchronised bits of the dancing, and they are awesome. Yeah, the meerkats are slightly win. Judges, very quickly, which of those three animals would win Eurovision? I think the blue whale would do with the eastern block. Oh, <laughs> they probably some drum and bass in the background as well. I like the ostrich, but at least you didn't get... We actually spoke to the, uh, the guy who made this and didn't get the ones hiding in a room. You can't get a blue whale hiding <laughs> in a room. <laughs> what I should point out as well is not only are yeah. we having a great time with this game, the stack of events is like a, is my the width of my thumb. There are so it's many funny ideas. They're all and funny. Deck of deck of animals. I think I can't wait for this game to get kickstarted. 
Um, and shut up, that made me sound like mental, but uh, like like a buyer. But shut up and sit down. Yeah, we just saw this this morning. We're like, receive no money. money. We just think this is awesome. This yeah. is <laughs> Okay, sorry, we got one more for Blue Whale. Uh, one more for the Blue Whale. It's got the vocal range of Celine Dion. What was, <laughs> what was the second one? Ostrich. Okay. Ostrich, okay. Ostrich. Oh. Um, didn't you have an emu on your original? It locked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they had like a, a puppet. Is that oh. a turkey? It's a turkey. Sorry. I think if you mix up all my birds again. That's. But if you imagine, <laughs> 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 it's a sea contest that wants to identify a puppet that was a turkey. I think. I think the makeup is wrinkly. Six months down, there is always Right. Hang on. This could be a photo. Two, two, one. Uh, as a relatively new the ostrich I have here to show you should be the ostrich. Ah! Oh, three months for the ostrich. I would pay money to see synchronized meerkats. It would oh. a lot of money for that. The ostrich clinches it. It's close. Matthew wins. Oh. Round of applause for Matthew. Oh. Matthew. Okay, right, so we have this room for 15 minutes. Well, thank you. That's, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you all so much thank for coming. Listening. Um, we will have this room for 15 minutes more if you would like uh, to sign things, meet us, all that kind of thing. But we only have 15 minutes, then we have to shoot off for food. But we are doing a sort of meet and greet signing at Leisure Games booth on Sunday from 11 in the morning. Yes. Um, so if you are about on Sunday and you don't mind just waiting till then, it would be awesome if, if anyone who just like wants to say hi for like a minute now and doesn't have any other options. Or hey, if anyone wants to support, um, shut up and sit down to friendly local game shop, which is Ledger Games down in London. They have a booth here, that's why we're signing there, and you can drop by, meet us, maybe buy a game, or maybe not. Uh, that's on Sunday, yeah. But um, yeah, we would hang around longer, but it's just like, it's late, and we're hungry. It's so late, shut up and sit down after dark. If you, and of course, we have one more live show tomorrow. If anyone wants to come to that, we'll have more uh, games. We have so many great things. We've got, want to talk about secrets, want to talk about laser riders, want to talk about, ooh, all the games I've forgotten are in the back, they're really good. You know, uh, Vladash Vladash's new game, and all that's being talked about tomorrow. So yeah, lots more games, and uh, special features with Paul Dean Skyping in. All that to play for. Thank you all very much. Give yourselves a round of applause.